0: All right. Welcome back to another edition of the Blumenauti podcast proudly presented by Irish 31 after uh, some some uh, technical difficulties uh, that have uh, made Seth maybe want to pull out his beautiful, beautiful locks. Uh, we are we are back in action. Uh, first time in over a year. It's a it's a podcast after a win. Uh, I don't know what to do with my hands. They're just kind of floating everywhere. Uh uh, if you guys watched the the press conference with Jeff Scott today, uh, you, you saw a much happier guy. It's uh, it's funny what winning can do for a, for a fella. He was jovial. He was cracking jokes, telling the media that he needs to be up by uh, needs to stay up for two a.m. Uh, for the uh, for the press conference after the game uh, this week. But uh, before we get a real deep, uh, deep, deep into it, uh, I want to shout out Irish Thirty One. Uh, as always, they are uh, the the beautiful sponsors for this podcast, and they've got they've got everything kind of going on. They they've got an unofficial watch party, uh, you know this uh, this weekend. Uh, for the BYU game late night. Uh, so you guys can kind of just uh, drink uh, drink until you're merry while, while watching the game. And they've got uh, you know, wall-to-wall flat screens, LED walls with games on, sound up, uh, Bulls-themed drink specials, uh, $5 16-ounce Yingling Flights. And then so here's some of the drink specials. They're $10, uh, your choice of original or sugar-free Red Bull, Horns Up Pooch, uh, Tito's Vodka, Peach Schnapps, uh, Blue Carousel, Pineapple OJ, uh, Red Bull, and 151 rum. Uh, they've got the Green Bull, which is Tito's vodka, Blue Carousel, and Red Bull. The Gung Slinger, which uh, I think I think we we're gonna need need to have that this weekend. Uh, Smirnoff orange vodka, Sprite, cranberry, Red Bull, and Gold Dust. Uh, not the wrestler. No. Oh. But I mean, if Dustin Rose happens to show up, then maybe. Uh, the Golden Brahmin, uh, it's Irish Thirty One whiskey, uh, Magners Irish cider, fresh mint, lime, gold dust. As, as I mentioned, uh, Yingling Lager drafts uh, for four fifty, and uh, the the flights a sixteen ounce can uh, five dollars. Be sure to check them out. Uh, lots of great stuff, and they'll have uh, they'll have uh, the Bulls bonus watch party with Danielle and Magic 94.9 uh, resuming uh, October second uh, at the Irish Thirty One West Shore location, uh, which it brings us to it's the the Seth go ahead and pull up that, that beautiful flyer here yeah it's the it's the Bulls Brewfest uh, October 2nd at the West Shore Plaza location uh, you can showcase your newest brews to, to a stampede of USF alumni fans and students and you can have one of your beers featured on tap at Irish 31 West Shore for all of football season uh, just go to usfalumni.org backslash brew sign up 100% of the proceeds go to the USF Alumni Association uh it's a really uh neat thing that they're doing uh it's for the smu game uh says i think there's another one uh there right there's a little another little infographic there you go super watch party at free entry ten dollars sampling wristband october 2nd uh we'll get the game time um uh, do we have the game time for smu four o'clock four o'clock guys let's go I mean that's that's easy peasy. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, yeah, I, I knew that yesterday. Man, the the days are just kind of flying by. Uh, you just late late brunch and just ease right into the the drinking uh, for the game, and then uh, catch a late game and have some fun. But check out the 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 Brew Fest uh, that uh, Irish Thirty One's hosting. Uh, always always love always love them. Shout out to uh, Jay Mize and the crew over there for for sponsoring the podcast. But Seth, let's get into it. Uh clap it up. First win in over a year. Big stuff. Uh let's dive right in. Uh we're we're gonna review the, the game film tomorrow. Uh, doing a little doing a little switch up uh, this week. And uh you know it, it was nice. There were some good things uh, from that Fam game that that we'll discuss. Anything that kind of stuck out to you as you kind of started to rewatch this that, you know, you want the podcast listeners to, to know and and, and feel uh, hopeful going into to this week against a ranked BYU team?
1: Uh, feeling hopeful? Um, I was, you know, they, they played a complete game. Unfortunately, it was the second half of the Florida game and the first half of the FAMU game it was the two good halves of football put together. Um, you know, I thought when they had – their plan, and Jessica mentioned a few times today, was try to get out to a pretty good lead and then get a lot of young guys in is what seemed to be the plan. So some of the inconsistency in the second half, you can kind of take it with a grain of salt, I think. Um, but, you know, it was good to see them try to get out, um, you know, the fumble in the red zone notwithstanding, uh, get out to a pretty fast start offensively, do a pretty good job on defense in the first half. And then as they started to rotate more guys in, Uh, Then you started to see some leakage there. But uh, I think if you're watching the first half, pretty good. And then, yeah, Alex, good point. Uh, The running – you had two uh, pretty good games from running backs, and that group has done pretty well all season, so – Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. They have Jaron Mangum, three rushing touchdowns. Uh, the first
0: time uh, a bull has done that since Johnny Ford uh, versus UConn in 2018. Uh, and then, you know, Brian, Brian Batty with another hundred yard performance. It's his uh, second hundred yard performance in four games uh, dating back to last season, season finale, where he rushed for over hundred yards uh, against Central Florida. Uh, we knew going in, he was he was a. He was a very talented back. We didn't know why he was kind of fourth, uh, listed fourth on the depth chart. Come to find out he was dealing with some some toe injury stuff that kind of helped him out, uh, he said, all of summer and a couple of weeks into fall camp. He's rounded into shape. And, you know, we, we said going into the year that the running back room is going to be one of the strengths. It was going to be one of the strengths, uh, be, uh, of, the strengths of of the, uh, the offense. So I'm glad to see uh, both of them kind of, uh, you know, Get get some run here, uh, Jaron Mangum, five touchdowns in twenty carries uh, as a Bull, which was uh, which is pretty pretty impressive, uh, given that he had over a hundred carries at Colorado and still totaled only five touchdowns. Uh, so uh, good good on him. Um, so and, and you still you still have Kelly Joyner out there uh, making some plays, Darren Felix as well. Uh, th- again, it's 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 a really talented running back room and. Uh, I, I think Jaron and Timmy have a have a pretty good connection going so far, so I'm excited to see what they can do against a, a pretty stout BYU team. Um, you know, Timmy Timmy is uh, an 18 year old freshman, and I I would venture to guess that BYU average starting age is about 47. Uh, so so there's a bit of an age gap. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see what what they can do. I mean, you know, BYU is always going to be big. Uh, Jeff Scott mentioned in his press conference that their their offensive line's big, the defensive line's big. Uh, I think their their starting left tackle and his backup are both six eight, and then the starting right tackle is also six eight. So <laughs> there's uh, there's some stout fellas uh, across the offensive line uh, there, and then there, there's talent all, all across. Uh, the The field uh, for BYU, they've got a couple of Romneys. Uh, I can't. I, I think only one of them is actually related to uh, the former yeah, presidential
1: candidate. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I know that the one um, one thing I, you you hear over and over and over with them this week is that they've got a lot of guys that played in that last game and they remember that last game. Um, so they they obviously have a, a kind of an older an older team. Um. Yeah, their middle linebacker I think got hurt in, uh, last game, and he's going to be out for the season with like a torn ACL. Everybody else that got hurt, they said he's going to be back this week, so Jaron Hall, the quarterback, will be back in a revenge game of sorts for him from two years ago. But it seems like the whole team's kind of got revenge on their mind. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays into the game. Uh, BYU is definitely going to be motivated. And mm-hmm. they've uh, they've kind of outperformed expectations this year, so it'll, it will. You know, kind of seeing them a little bit more of a full game. I haven't really got to watch them much yet. It'll be it'll be kind of interesting to see what they're like this year because I think they're pretty similar to last year in terms of scheme and things like that. Um, but uh, they're 3-0 against uh, P5, and I think they're the only school in the country that's 3-0 against the P5.
0: Yep, they, they are the leaders of the Pac-12 right now after beating uh, Arizona State, uh, Utah, and... Uh,
1: I was going to say Utah, Arizona.
0: That's what it was. I, you know, I didn't want to guess it was both Arizona's, but. Arizona State it. camps. Yep. So they, they are the, 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 owners of Arizona as well as, uh, Utah. Uh, they do play b uh, they, excuse me. They do play uh, Utah state next week. Um, so to really put a stranglehold on the, on the state of Utah, uh, they'll, they'll go for the, the, the double there, the brace as uh, some folks call it in, in soccer. Um.
1: And now, before we get, I think before we get too far ahead here, um, everybody said last week they really enjoy when we bring on guests, um, so we're going to bring on our, our guests here. Guest, are you there?
2: Yes, I'm here. Tom Selleck, is that you? Tom Selleck is in the building, baby. I'm back. Out of Hawaii, we're here. Magnum PI is ready to ready to fire off some fucking terrible takes. <laughs> I can't see shit out of these sunglasses right now. My, they're polarized, and this screen is just not working. Oh, it's Steve.
0: Oh, oh God. man. I thought it was the guy from Friends who almost married Monica.
2: My dad. Welcome back. Well, thank you, guys. No, I appreciate it. Uh, my my once-in-a-lifetime wearing the Detroit Tigers head and won that off of a uh, charity raffle. Pack. Uh, but, yeah, I'm uh, back for, for a little bit. Took a, took a little bit of time off. Did a little thinking, a little uh, mental break, and, uh, yeah, now we're back in. Decided, hey, USF won. Now's the time to come back, and when they lose again, I'll uh, hide back into the shadows.
1: What a bandwagon fan. Seriously, what oh, yeah. a bandwagoner. My God. <laughs>
0: Next, you're going to hear him think is going to win fifty six to seven. What a let's coward! Let's not get crazy. What a coward! <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's you know kind of quickly debrief a little bit more uh, a few uh, of uh, the FAMU game. Uh, you know. Seth, you mentioned it was a tale of two halves. Uh, they did play the complete game. It just, you know, as you said, it was you know the second half of Florida, the first half of FAMU. They held FAMU to negative seven yards rushing in that first half before uh, either the defense started to wear down or there's a little bit more rotation going on across the the front seven. Uh, it's it's good that they got some experience. Um, I, you know, personally, but I, I'm not a coach for, for me, it was a little too close for comfort to be rotating, uh, so many young guys in, um, especially when you haven't won in over a year, uh, Seth, your, your thoughts on, 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 on that. I, I wouldn't want you to, to kind of, you know, belittle or, or, you know, second guess a, a coach in the fraternity. I understand, yeah. uh, there's some rules and regulations in that, but, uh, it seemed interesting, uh, to, to say the least, uh, of the, the rotation, you know, along the defense and, uh, you know, I think we should probably touch on Travis Marsh just kind of popping in.
1: Yeah. I don't, I still don't understand, um, the quarterback thing. It's, it, 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 just throws me for a loop whenever I start thinking about it. So I try not to think about it too much because it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but, you know, they also – just also said today that they went to a four-man line, which our guy Eric was calling for last week, I believe it was Eric, um, went to a four-man line. That allowed them to rotate more guys in too because they have some guys that are kind of those rush-in type guys that they can play. So those guys end up playing a little bit more. Um, you know, I think it's probably something you're going to need against BYU this week because they'll get in with some tight ends and some big bodies in there and you don't want to go in there. Um you you don't, you won't mind bringing some extra bodies in on the line of scrimmage. So good practice for that there. Uh, I, you know, the game, I thought that it was encouraging to start and then I was a little more discouraged actually, uh, by the end of the game, um, than I was the previous weeks. So I don't know. I, I just wish it would have been a little bit cleaner throughout the game and that it really kind of put their stamp on it. Uh, it's, but again, they were trying to rotate a lot of different guys and, and get experience for guys. And then you had some injuries. So your, your, your depth was a little, um, your depth your depth was a little light coming into the game, regardless. And then once you start rotating, then you're really getting down into it. So, you know, kind of hold judgment. I wish they would have played a little bit cleaner, a little bit better. Uh, I'm sure they do too. Uh, but you know, there's some good, there's some bad, and we'll probably look at it a little bit closer tomorrow, but, uh, in total, I was a little more discouraged this week than I had been in previous weeks. Um, but that can be explained away a little bit too so
0: yeah absolutely i think uh you know the immediate reaction was what what the hell right you know you got the the cosmetic touchdown at the end there uh from uh Josias young uh to kind of make the score a little bit better but it, it's there was still a weird taste but i mean you can't You can't be choosy when you haven't won in 371 days. I completely understand that uh, aspect of things. And, you know, again, you know, the Bulls rush for 241 yards, uh, 5.2 yards a clip. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. Um, That's I mean, that's still that's pretty good. It's better than what they've been able to do uh, recently. You know, UCF game last year, notwithstanding, Uh, I wish Randy Shannon was uh, the defensive coordinator for every team USF played. but. Alas, that's not the case. You mentioned the injuries. Uh, Man, I swear it felt like uh, there was a a guy hurt every other play. Um, Most notably. at least at
1: least 20 guys on the field at one point in the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, most notably Latrell Williams, uh, unfortunately, had a great dig route sprung it for 40 yards foot gets caught uh as he's getting tackled and he tears his acl um and you know looking on the replay you know seth and i kind of looked at each other in the press box like your knee's not supposed to flop around like that No, yeah his
1: leg was flopping like a fish it looked really weird and this is not even i don't think it was even the leg he got hit on it just when he came out of the ground it stuck a little bit and when it finally popped out it was just kind of you you can see it you know, if this is your your, your let me let's do some miming here. This is your left <laughs> leg. You don't want it to bend this way, and his left leg bent that way. So uh, that, that's not great. And then we obviously see the result today: uh, torn ACL out for the year. So
0: yeah, it, which is super unfortunate. I, I I'm fairly certain I picked him to be the guy uh, to lead the team in in receiving this uh, this year. Um, maybe it was DeMarcus <laughs> Gregory, I, I, it was either him or DeMarcus Gregory, and, uh, we, uh, so far, uh, not off to a great start, probably should have stuck with the guy we knew, uh, and Xavier Weaver, who continues to ball out, yeah. uh, but just an absolute brutal break for, for Latrell and, uh, hit to the depth of wide receiver, you know, it's still, it's still a position of strength, I think there's still a lot of talent there, but I mean, that guy was, he was a difference maker, you know, it, and, you know, it didn't typically show. I know, uh, you know, his his lasting highlight maybe uh, of this year will be that uh, that awkward uh, screen that went for negative uh, eight yards or whatever it was <laughs> uh, at NC he had State a couple of he had a
1: couple, uh, he had a couple quick ones against Florida for. Yeah, nine yeah yeah
0: yeah absolutely
1: and and what's unfortunate is that last route is what you've been hoping to see get him out in open space let him catch and run and beautiful exactly what you've been looking for and then he gets hurt yeah Uh, some guys have bad luck and he seems to be one of them uh
0: yeah dealt with a foot injury at tennessee and then uh dealing with this now uh Hope for a speedy recovery. Uh, hope he I hope he's uh, still has some eligibility left. I've got to work it out. I think he's in his sixth year of college. I think that's what
1: Jeff Scott said uh, today. So maybe there's some wiggle room. I think I read uh, there, there, no, uh, in the piece they posted, that I believe they said he could come back in 2022. So let's hope. Let's hope. Let's just add another piece.
0: Hopefully, you know, you know, ACLs are always a, a different beast, unfortunately, um, and then. Uh, Bryce Miller uh, out. Um, he seems uh, you know, just got was a little bit more hopeful during the the beginning portion of the press conference. And then he said he's probably closer to the more doubtful side uh, toward the end of the presser. Uh, he had his he had his foot in a boot. Uh, he they had feared that he may have fractured his ankle. That doesn't seem to be the case uh, in any regard. I expect to see more Sean Atkins and and Jimmy Horn in the slot uh, to uh, the field side. Uh, as as Jeff Scott put it, uh, heading into BYU. I and mean, then Mario Dawson, uh, just special team's ace Amario Dawson will will step in as the the starter opposite Xavier Weaver. Yusuf Terry will also slot in behind him. Uh, and you know Demarcus Gregory as well will will fit in somewhere as well. So there's still some talent there. Just uh, some some terrible uh, injury news. Uh, you know, three weeks into the season, you know, Christian Williams is still a month away from from getting back uh, playing after after getting his first uh, start at USF uh, versus uh, NC State. Um, Mikala points fifty uh, fifty for this week, uh, and you're just, you're hoping that these guys can get back healthy and and contribute. Uh, toward the end of the season with conference play with that that last four games of the the season being uh really really tough and, and vital for uh the, you know the springboard into 2022 so hopefully they can get back um i think i think that's really it for you know BYU um or excuse me for for FAMU i think that's kind of the the wrap up portion um yeah still want to see some more havoc plays uh you know third downs were a little bit better uh, but yeah, you still want to see some more hat uh, plays and and you know, shout out Spencer Schrader and and uh Kenny Shribner on that 49 yard 49 yard field goal. It was it wasn't a great snap. Shribner was able to get it down, and uh, Spencer just uh drilled it uh for USF's uh first lead of the season. So, shout out to them. We always love our specialists. Um, Adam pal, my knees, man. Uh, just just sitting right now my my back is going through some some issues so Listen,
1: I don't want to add another name to the quarterback derby here we <laughs> you, you just
0: got mu- muddy it up
1: furry. yeah I can't I can't I, I don't want to add myself in there we it's already a mess as it is absolutely absolutely and uh you know let's
0: let's touch on the quarterback thing for for a second here uh and then we'll 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 preview BYU um so K4 gets to start against you know some power five teams uh struggles against nc state i think that's very fair to say Uh was a lot better uh at florida so naturally timmy gets to start versus famio
1: and katie gets no no plays against him i i don't it, you know and we're not at practice we gotta throw that out there we're not at practice that's always my little caveat to get out of these things of Being harsh, but we're not at practice, so we don't see everything. But just watching the games, it does this doesn't make any sense to me. I think, um, I, you know, obviously, I have my own opinions that I think you you should be playing both of them would make you the most hard to defend. And I'm, I'm pretty adamant on that. I I think that's correct, but whatever. I, I I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me, especially after you watch Florida, how they played Alabama last week and Fortin played against all the starters. For Florida. They played Alabama pretty well on defense, if you watch that game. A couple missed tackles in space, but it's not like they were cutting dudes wide open. That was a pretty good defensive effort. Held Alabama pretty low in yards per play for their normal. I think they held them around. uh, I know Florida was over a yard per play better on offense than Alabama was. So that's a pretty good defense. North Carolina State has have had some injuries since the first game, but that was a pretty good defense. Um, you know, the 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 weird part is you you come into the game, and and what you're hearing before the game is you know I want a guy to come in and start if he does really well, I want him to kind of take off and run with it, and and we'll kind of he'll be the guy going forward, right? That was kind of what we heard before the game, uh, I think in the press conference that week that. Whoever's a starter, if they play well, they can be the guy going forward. I don't know if that just meant they get to start the next game because it, what it really turned into in the post game is that we're still in a quarterback derby here. It's not over. I know it seemed like it was over, but then after the game, he said he wanted to see Martian live game action to be fair to him. Now, how fair is that to Cade Fortin? I'm sure Cade Fortin would have much rather had live game action against FAMU than against florida and north carolina state i'm sure that would have been much easier um you know a little bit uh more amenable to cade fortin there i don't know it, it's tough um i think both guys can offer you something the marsh edition is just like throws an unnecessary wild card in there in my opinion and and, and it does you no favors um Especially not playing Fortin. I think against them. If you still think, unless he's totally out, which maybe he's totally out. I don't know. But if he's not, then you basically propped up your two younger quarterbacks against a worse opponent, and played Fortin against tougher opponents. And now, in the eyes of his teammates, they're just thinking about success, right? So I we won a game with Timmy at quarterback. You know, he played pretty well. I mean, when you watch the game, he played okay. They weren't super consistent in the passing game. And I think he'll get better with more reps. So that's kind of the question is, what are you playing for? Are you playing for this year? I think Fortin should be playing if you're playing for this year. Are you playing for the end of the season where you you get all the game reps to McLean and he gets better because he's really talented and he's going to be a really good player? So just let's rip the Band-Aid off and play it. If the season, if we only win two games this year, so what? We'll win more next year because he got all this experience. You know, if that's it, then, okay, then it makes sense to me. I just don't know what it is, and we're not in the building, so it's hard to say what it is, and so it's just kind of confusing right now. There are valid reasons for both approaches. I just don't quite understand it yet. And, uh, and and then the, the Marsh tradition just blows my mind. I don't know what's happening.
0: Yeah. The thing that kind of uh, took me uh, back uh, today listening to Jeff Scott speak is he was asked, uh, you know, about this, you know, having a two quarterback system. And, you know, uh, they specifically, you know, mentioned uh, what Florida does. And, and Jeff, Jeff basically said, well, if I have a 6'4", 225-pound uh, quarterback who runs a 4-3, then, yeah, I'll do a two-quarterback system, but, no, I, I want a, I want one starter. And that kind of jives with what he did at Clemson, right? You know, Kelly Bryant yeah, and Trevor sp- Lawrence.
1: But he had 6'5", 230-pound <laughs> quarterbacks running 4-3s at Clemson. So, yeah, it's easy to go one quarterback when you have that guy, too. Right. I think it just – I don't understand. Their skill sets are not the same. Um, the Florida one is like, it's the, it's not confusing, but their skill sets are similar. One guy's just is such a freak that you got to get him on the field somehow, but they're the skill set similar. So defensive preparation, you saw when USF played Florida, they said, we're preparing for both guys. The same, they have the kind of the same, similar skills. These guys don't, these guys are different. Even if you want to throw Martian there, he's not the same as McLean either. They're all, they all bring something different. Uh, I think Marsh and Fortin are more alike. McLean's kind of uh, to himself a little bit in terms of his skill set. I I I don't understand. I think you obviously you'd be splitting reps, but it's really like if I think one of these guys can can help me getting most of the reps, and then I have a package for one of the other guys. To me, that still makes sense. But you know, we're again we're not there, so we there could be some things we're missing. Co- practice these guys could be doing terrible. Maybe McLean just running away with it in practice. I don't know. I just when when Jeff Scott said after the game Saturday that McLean got all the first team reps this week. Why? Why? What? What was the change between the Florida game and that game? Just right. We're gonna go with him. Uh <laughs> yeah. We're saving Jared Williams for conference play. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know, but I, I'm. It just—I'm not quite sure where they're at, um, but it that that to me is like, well, okay, well, what was the decision to go with McClain? Then why did he get all the practice, Right, you know, if he's the first team guy, that that was kind of my question. And you know, you don't want to really ask that because it just would bog everything down. But you know, okay, so what led to that decision? Um, and if it's just like, I think this is going to be the guy going forward, so we just let's get him out there against FAMU and get him those live starting reps and let him go. Okay. But then, like, the stuff with the stuff, the stuff with Marsh, and we kind of looked at each other in the press conference, and we're like, what is happening? We're walking back up to the press box, and I'm like, did he just kind of say what I thought he did? I, I don't know. It's so uh, bizarre. It really is. And I, I just don't get, like, I
0: get if Katie had played terribly against Florida, mm-hmm. then I, I get, you, just, you know what, Timmy, you're getting all the first-team reps. We'll go from there. But he didn't. Did so that stuff. he did, he did a lot of great things that, that pass, I think it was to uh, Xavier Weaver on the crosser where he, 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 you know, sees the, feels the pressure slides to his left dart, just a, a nice lofted dart uh, to Xavier for, for a chunk gain. And then we talked about his interception, not really his fault. You know, he's getting pressure. If, if yeah. the offensive line does its job, he's got Jimmy Horn for uh a, Fat-ass touchdown, you know, so it's like, what, what are we, what are we judging him on? Like, is he just not a, a good practice player? Yeah. And how, then if and how, that's did the job, how how bad were the other guys during practice?
1: Yeah. So, so
0: uh, that, that's what I want to understand. And, you know, I think his, I think Jeff Scott's reasoning, um, you know, as sound as it may be, it, it feels kind of like a cop-out. Like, well, we've seen, Cade's gotten a lot of reps through the first two games. So we want to see the other guys,
1: I mean, if you look at it, I bet, I bet McLean's got got more reps through the first two games than Fortin did. It's probably really, really close. That North Carolina State game, Fortin started. He got pulled what third series, fourth series? Uh, I think it was closer to sixth. Was it that many? He got pulled in the first. I I mean, I mean
0: they were really quick. Yeah. So I mean, if we're going by if we're going by drives or we're going by plays, I'm (laughs) thinking like plays.
1: Then it went real quick. So yeah. there are some good, good points in the chat about maybe it's an O-line thing. You feel like once you get into conference play that you need a more mobile guy. Um, what worries me, the one thing that worries me a little bit about McLean, and I think he's really talented. I think he's going to be a really good player. What worries me about McLean is you're watching the game. If, if they're not hitting shots down the field, FAMU is coming up and playing cover zero and saying, all right, hit those shots down the field. We're going to stack. In the second half, Famu played zero. They came up. They brought the house on blitz. Said, "All right, hit these throws over the top." They didn't, and, the, and they didn't. So there, and the, there was a FAMU. couple of those those double uh, A gap blitzes that got home. So you you've gotta, like, you got right. to like you got to understand where my hot is. I got to get the ball in my hand very quickly. So, and this is Famu. So that's what. We're, but then again, on the other side of the token, right? If if we want to kind of be. You know, pro coach here, well, he needs those reps, right? He, he needs reps in the game to get that. He can't get hit in practice like that. He needs to see this. So Learn learn by doing. I I, I can understand. It, I worries understand me, it worries me when FAMU feels comfortable enough to play cover zero because all you've been completing are short hitch routes. They come up and squat mm-hmm. and dare you to throw over the top, and you can't do it. That's a little scary to me. Now – can they get better? Yeah, probably, but that freaks me out a little bit.
0: I I, I agree. Um, I think that their the running game. I think the RPOs are going to have to be a little bit more effective than they have been. I think uh, just try to get some edge. You know, do some uh, do some creative blocking. We saw it against Florida. You know, bring guys you know up through the middle, reading reading the defensive tackle, doing doing something creative to kind of get kickstart the running game. To, to ease the pressure, uh, I want to see, you know, some more screens, more wide receiver screens, let the athletes be athletes. Uh, I think Jimmy Horn is going to be such a vital asset going forward this year in, in those pop passes, the, the jet sweeps, just causing a little bit more chaos uh, for the defense
1: to to have to defend. Yeah, I do like when they, when and that's something they have done for the most part this year with really only McLean in because he can add in the run game is the mo a lot of motion, the jet sweep motion in the run game. I think that's something that they can build on, and that's something he gives them. But my other, my other concern is didn't, and maybe I misheard him because I, I was kind of, I kind of caught the press conference a little late. Didn't he say McLean is kind of dealing with a little bit of a, a nagging issue as well? Yeah, he mentioned uh, his hamstring. <laughs> so you know what you know. So there goes that theory about his legs, right? You know, if if you have to throw back just a pure pocket passer, I think Fortin would have to be the guy. If that's what you're having to build around because the guy's hurt, I think that's Fortin. But again. We're not there. Maybe we'll we're
0: something. We're not there. Maybe we are missing something. And I think.
1: I that think needs these to guys the, are smart. I mean, I, and then I'll, I'll couch it with this: these guys are smart. They're they're not dumb. They know what they're doing. So it's kind of a you know trust the coaches. But I uh, this process has just confused me a little bit. Um, and, and can I feels, uh, jump? Can in. I
2: come in with a captain negativity take right here? Whoa, jeez, man! You go away for two weeks and you become a different person. Yeah, a little bit. I'm I'm about to grow my beard again. Um, no, so I, just observation. And again, I pure caveat on this: I didn't watch any of these games so far. Purely kind of like looked at the stat line, kept the games up, didn't watch a single second of any of these games. Watch the pure highlights.
1: N- pure numbers. Also,
2: pure numbers. But and I'm going purely off of ones and zeros right now. It, it seems like the coaching staff still, still doesn't exactly know what they want out of a quarterback yet. And this is going off of not just the fact that they have basically four different types of quarterbacks on the roster right now. You have Contravers Marsh, big arm, you know, could be good with an RPO. You have Jaron Williams, came from pure RPO style. You got Timmy, came from a pure spread style, and then you got K who kind of pro style, spread style. And then recruiting-wise, you got Byron Brown, who's – more like Timmy. And then you have Gunnar Smith, who's more like Cade. So you're still not exactly pushing the lines of what, you're, what style of offense you're wanting to go for. And I, I noticed in the highlights you know, in watching all the games so far that the, the the packages that they're running for Cade are completely different from the packages that they're running with Timmy. And that's kind of inked into a little bit to what Contravis Marshall is doing as well. So you basically have all three different, I'm sure you have four different playbooks for all four of your quarterbacks on their strengths right now. And I'm sure, you know, the transfers are when, you know, after the season when two of the guys transfer out and you bring in two more quarterbacks and it's like, all right, what what carousel of playbooks are we going to go off of? I mean, Weiss is incredibly smart. He's one of the most gifted minds in college football, but I don't think a guy has been able to prove himself in any of these practices to say like that he's the guy going forward. And I think that's where the issue is lying right now with with the staff is like they don't have a guy that's creating a separation. You got Timmy who's exciting and he's fun to play. You got Cade who's probably a little bit more consistent in practice. Jaron doesn't look that great. I mean, Contreras Marsh just makes big bomb plays every once in a while. So you're like, what are we going to do here? That's just my observation from the very far outside right now.
1: Yeah, and that's why my 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 kind of take has been – um why not play both the guys both fortin and McC- they, they both provide something tim looks better in practice yeah that may- that's we've
2: i've heard that looks a lot. Know, better if,
1: that's, if that's what it is then that make it makes sense right coaches are going to play guys that execute in practice if you can't do it in practice it's hard to do it in a game so mm-hmm. that may be it and that may be all it is that's my contribution
2: <laughs> i'll i'll have
1: <laughs> well,
0: I, I think, you know, I think I said we'll, we'll talk like for like two minutes about the quarterbacks and I think we went for 10. Uh, so definitely staying on brand there uh, for 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 us. Um, let's get let's get into this BYU game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know what, Josh, see, I'm a big fan of X follow spread about. So it's, you know, 10, it's a 10 personnel. So I think I would have Timmy in there, uh, spread them out. You get the running back and the slot receiver on your left-hand side, kind of running crosses or rub. You got a, a go route and then a post on the left-hand side. And then you got to dig on your left-hand side by the outside receiver behind the, the, the rub routes. It's a very effective, uh, against most defenses. And if you have a very fast quarterback, you can just run. Uh, it's how I won that the Heisman, uh, so many times in NCAA, uh, football 14, uh, great play, a lot of read option, a lot of halfback, uh, slip screens. Uh, those two plays, um, are de- were definitely supercharged in the, in the last, uh, last version of the game. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean let's let's move on to BYU. We're on to BYU. You know, it's the you know how many how what day is it Tuesday? So it's like the 96 hour rule, I guess, at this point. Um so let's let's move on to BYU. Uh ESPN two 1015 Eastern. Uh start drinking coffee now. Um man. That's gonna suck. I'm not, I, I I won't even pretend that it's not going to suck. Um, I do enjoy that. I'll have like my full uh, Saturday uh, with the family uh, to hang out. But, uh, yeah, Adam, it's definitely going to be close to an all-nighter. If the game ends at 2, uh, the game store is probably not going to be up until – oh, my God, I don't even want to think about it, man.
1: I Can't wait to uh, do the post game show after this
0: game. Oh man, we're we're gonna be a few beers deep. Uh, I can guarantee you that we're not. I, I'm not staying up until 10:15 on uh, you know or 2 a.m. on a Saturday night and not having uh, a couple beers, especially if uh, things go sideways against uh, a ranked team. Where I believe USF, uh, let me make sure I get the number right, because it's pretty phenomenal uh, what USF is against ranked teams um, over the last. I think in the program's history, let me make sure I got it right. They're 11 and 31 versus ranked teams. The last win, I guess, a ranked team was in 2016 uh, versus number 22 Navy. It was that crazy game where USF went up by like 30 points in the first half. And then Raymond Woody uh, really tried his best to give the game away uh, at home. Uh, but it, it was the game. It was the game after Temple. Uh, if you guys can remember that unfortunate game. Uh, and we were worried about Quint Flowers' uh, hamstring, and he uh, just broke off an 80-yard touchdown like three plays into the game. So uh, we, we got that answer quick. But that was the last time USF has beaten a ranked team. They're, they're 0-1 against ranked teams already this year uh, with the Florida loss. Uh, they'll have at least one more opportunity to beat a ranked team uh, with Cincinnati coming in. Uh, but, I mean, this team's really well coached. Kalani Satake is – he's a hell of a coach. I know there's some talk uh, – I think it was prior to last season about kind of replacing him um after that twenty nineteen year when you know they did lose the u s f and you know looking back man that's a that's a really that's a really bad loss for b y u well uh, that it's
1: they 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 kind of spoke about that as a turning point they're nineteen and three since that game.
2: you're welcome, so we're the get right team <laughs> is what you're saying <laughs> when does that ever happen?
0: oh man, you I are you're... bottom. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Jaron Hall, who was a starter in that game, is now BYU starter. Has looked pretty good through three games, seven touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, completing 60% of his passes. Uh, but I, I think uh, the story here is uh, BYU is looking for some revenge for for a pretty inexplic- inexplicable loss. If you look back at the stats, um, you know, J- basically take Stieg's, uh ideal version of, uh, you know, figuring out if a team's good or not. USF winning that game in 2019 makes literally no sense. Like, no sense at all. It didn't make sense in the moment either. And
2: when it actually happened, we were like, what? How How did that? It, it felt like every time that BYU ran the ball, we accidentally tackled them every single time. I remember being on the sideline taking pictures And just, like, it it felt like every time, like, Nick Roberts was, like, accidentally, like, tripping a guy. And, like, I mean, Dwayne Boyles and I think Antonio Greer had a very strong game that game, if I'm remembering it correctly. Um, But I just – it looked like every single time – But we, for some odd reason, we were getting a lot of push on the offensive line. Nothing was making sense in that game. Like the holes were wide open.
1: BYU, what they, and they still do it a little bit now. It's weird. I remember watching them going into that game thinking, like, is this how they play against everyone? They play a lot of three man line and drop eight guys. I don't know if it's just, if it's uh, to try to limit explosive plays for the other team, but they did that a ton. And that year, USF just ran the ball down their throat. I think USF went for like over two fifty on the ground or something pretty close, over two hundred. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, it was it was, it was pretty them. close, and then kind of wore them down as the game went on. And then then as you got into the second half, third, fourth quarter, they started popping some runs, and um, and then you got kind of that uh that uh miracle heave to Wilcox, where he kind of took off his uh. On on this route and kind of dove and caught it in the front corner of the end zone. I believe was that game as well. Yeah, but yeah, the the here's uh, if do, does everybody want to be encouraged real quick? Do we want to be positive? Absolutely. So BYU ranked team defeat uh, only team in the country to to defeat three Power Five teams. One of them Arizona is terrible. Really bad. Not be very good. Utah just got, uh, had to scratch and claw to get overtime with San Diego State and lost. Uh, And then Arizona State, who knows? They've got like uh, the uh, proverbial uh, scythe above their head, the guillotine from the NCAA possibly coming. But this is a very high powered, highly ranked team. Where do you think they rank in yards per play? On offense and on defense, obviously it's not the best metric, but it's a decent one. Where do you think a team like BYU with these wins would rank yards per play on offense and defense? Nate, I'll go to you first. Let's go offense hmm. first. Where do you think their offense right. yards per play <laughs> better than UConn is? A, is a safe guess. <laughs> um, I'll go eighty-four. Okay, Steve. Second. 88. They're 88. Hey, how about it? We're playing offense. Yeah, you're right there. What's what's that number? (laughs) They're averaging uh, 5.38 yards per play. Okay. Uh, For reference, USF's averaging 4.69, which is
2: (laughs) Uh, 115th. Thanks for bringing us back down to earth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A little uh, give and take. Defensively, where do you think BYU ranks?
0: Um,
1: uh, 98 Steak, 69, 101st. They're giving up (laughs) 6.08 yards per play, man. I'm pretty good at this game. I know you're below, you're ruining it, but (laughs) you're pretty good. Uh, again, uh, USF is 128th with 7.38 yards per play. I just bring it back down.
2: <laughs> just every time. Just
1: but so those what's interesting is that they're uh you know, they're highly ranked, but I don't I still don't quite know. Two for two better than Yukon, that's correct. Um, you know, I, I don't know how I think they're probably better than USF. Um the stats kind of show that. But how good are they? Are they elites? I don't know. I had my questions about them before the season. They've come out won these three games. I didn't think they'd win all three. So hats off to them for that. Um, I bet against them two weeks in a row, and they've uh, got me two weeks in a row. So uh, I'm going to stop betting against them. But those numbers don't belie an elite team. Now, it's early in the season. Like, you can look at Alabama. They're not really high up there this year either. I think everybody would say they're pretty elite. But – BYU, the numbers don't show just an elite unit that's just killing people. They're, I think they're tough. They're disciplined. They wear people down. Um, but if you watch that, did you guys see any of the Arizona State game? So, Arizona, no. State, Arizona State intercepts a pass, and is taking it in to score. It's, the score is 21-17. Arizona I know State the play. takes off a pass. They're taking it in to score. Uh, defensive lineman, or a defensive end, I think, running back from BYU, tracks him down, punches the ball out, BYU gets it back on the same play. So they throw a pick and get the ball back on the fumble with the exact same play. Yeah, it was a beautiful play. But how often does that happen? That's, like, super rare, right? You, I can think of, like, three instances of a guy tracking a guy down and, and knocking the ball out. You got, like, George Teague, Maurice Claret, and then this guy from BYU. It doesn't happen a ton. So... You know, should they have lost that game? Maybe. And if they lose that game, how are we looking at them? Are we looking at them totally different, right? I don't know. So it'll be it'll be interesting to kind of see what they really are. I think they're pretty good. I don't think they're elite. So, you know, uh, I don't think I don't think they're as good as North Carolina State. They're not as good as Florida. They're better than FAMU. So, you know. We'll kind of see where USF comes in that pecking order.
0: Yeah, and, you know, what, what uh, BYU failed to do against USF in 2019, I, you know, I don't want to draw too many comparisons uh, between the games, but, you know, they're you the know, same quarterback, same coach. There's still a lot of these players. BYU failed to score in the red zone. Uh, They had to settle for two field goals early on in that game uh, where they could have really blown it out. So, you know, instead of it being, uh, I think it was uh, those two field goals made it like 16 to 7. It could have been a lot worse um, for USF. Right. So what they've done this year, at least so far, is every time they've had the ball in the red zone, they've scored. They've scored uh, eight touchdowns and in 10 attempts uh, in, in the red zone. Um, so there is that. And then on the flip side, uh, defensively, they've only allowed three touchdowns in the red zone on 10 possessions. So that's, that can be an issue. You know, if the bulls get down close, uh, their defense does tend to stiffen up. I think a lot of defenses, uh, you know, if they're if they're talented enough can, can kind of bone up, uh, you know, play, you know, in, in between the twenties, right. A lot of empty calorie yards, as we like to say. And I've then heard,
1: I've heard a guy like, uh, Bud Elliott, calls it reds he, he kind of says with the modern offenses that are so good you're just hoping you just he said he calls it playing red zone roulette just get him in the red zone see if you can get him to kick a field goal instead of score a touchdown if you do that like last year against alabama if you did that that was a win for you if you just got him right. to kick a field goal, and that you just kind of when you get in the red zone it compresses you have more of a chance um but yeah it that's that is the difference, right if you're not gaining as many yards but you're finishing drives and you're not letting your opponent finish drives well there's the difference right
0: right and that was the difference in the 2019 game right usf had three possessions in the red zone and scored touchdowns on all three possessions and that's that's your game right it's that this this kind of thing for for usf where they're they're going to be they're going to have to be more effective they don't have to be as explosive right you can get all the empty calories you want uh yardage wise but you've got to you got to be more efficient when you have the ball, uh, you know, in the 20s in in, in the red zone uh, for for that to have success. I mean, obviously, you need to have some modicum of success on offense to get to the red zone. Right. Unless you're just kind of
1: setting up uh, at BYU's 20 area possession. And that's been a, and that's kind of been look back at the game so far this year. That's been a problem so far. Even last week, you drive down. I think you're inside the 10 when you fumble. Are pretty close to it, you know, against Florida, you go, you drive down, get kind of close to the red zone, have to settle for a field goal. Uh, NC State, you get down to the red zone three times, I think, and don't score at all. You know, th- th- those finishing drives is really important, and that's kind of what separates, uh, That's kind of separates tiers of teams. So if, if you can finish some of these drives off, and, and I thought, and we'll, we'll look at them tomorrow, but they had some good concepts in the red zone in the passing game. Uh, the one to Xavier Weaver was really, really cool, really well uh, executed, a great job by McLean, sit, kind of shuffling up in the pocket and and hitting um, Xavier Weaver between some guys. So that looked improved last week. Again, obviously the opponent was not quite up to snuff as your previous ones and not this one upcoming, but, you know, just kind of finding that rhythm, that play-calling rhythm in that area can be helpful too. Yeah, absolutely, and he,
0: I, again, uh, USF has you know five rushing touchdowns from from Jaron Mangum, all within the the ten yard line. His his longest touchdown run is nine yards uh, this season. I think he's got two of one yard, one of uh, two, uh, one of four, and like one of seven. So that seems to be what the Bulls want to do. Um, it's kind of pound the rock and, and use jaron mangum uh, in those clo- up close situations they did have that that nine yard touchdown pass which was the first one uh first touch passing touchdown of the season uh to xavier weaver from timmy mclean uh so it, you know it's take just taking care of the ball that's going to be the key thing that that fumble was uh really it it wasn't great i mean it was it was out you know as he got touched, right? Like it, once he got hit, that ball was out. So a little bit more ball security from Timmy. Uh, don't try to force things uh, against this BYU team. Don't give them extra possessions. Don't, don't let your defense get worn down, uh, you know, with, I mean, these, this BYU team is, is massive. I want to, let me see if I can pull up their depth chart real quick. Cause it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty massive. Um yeah, so Blake Freeland starting left tackle, 6'8", 305. Uh, left guard, Clark Barrington, 6'5", 300 pounds. Uh, center, James Empey, 6'4", 303. Right guard, Connor Pay 6'5", 312. And then right tackle, Harris Lachance, 6'8", 310. I mean, those are some big old hog mollies. And uh, they're blocking for a, uh, one of the better running backs in the country. Um, you know, Tyler... Uh, year is is legit. I think he had over eleven 1, hundred yards rushing uh last season. Um, continues to kind of set records. He's gonna he,
1: he's he's gonna leave with some records. Uh when all said but a are backup when he goes out, their backup is a hoss too. Number four. Yeah. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his name, but uh oh, let, let's I heard, see. I heard the i heard the coach pronounce it. I'm like, okay, I was way off. So I'm not even gonna try. But uh He's a he's a hoss too. He's he's no slouch. the Lep, Penny Katoa.
2: He's oh, I got this. Fast. Hold on.
1: See, you got the shirt. Yeah. yeah so
2: I, I I got this. Hold on. Let me where where's where's this depth chart? So uh, uh Ale,
0: yeah. year is uh five eleven two twenty. He's a red sophomore, and then uh Katoa is six uh two fifteen. So those are some big boys. Mm-hmm. um they can move too and, and they they're they're quick and nimble on their feet and then uh just add in uh neil uh pabu uh starting wide receiver, six four two fifteen um puka nakua uh six two two ten um and then i would assume his brother and or cousin samson uh nakua unless this is like a romney thing when they're bro- actually I think, bro- I think that one's brother and they're not even related uh he's also c six four one ninety five and then Gunnar Romney, 6'2", 195. I mean, these are some big, freaking dudes, man. And and they're not they're not like nineteen, twenty years old. A lot of them. They're you know a lot of, a lot of these guys go on those that two year mission trip when their freshman year. So they, these guys are coming back. Their senior year, their right tackle I think their the right, like tackle the right tackle's got a second mortgage taken <laughs> up. I mean, it, it's really possible. Uh, Jeff Scott made a joke uh, today at his press conference. You know, well, we've got a 27 year old uh, punter.
1: So <laughs> there's that. Be, uh, the
2: guys, he'd be like the third youngest on BYU's team
1: this year. <laughs> Steve, I just got to tell you, you've missed this punter.
2: Oh, my God. I That's Have the only thing him? I've been checking on on Twitter is all i all i would do is is anytime uh during the game i would just search i because i wasn't really on twitter but like i was still kind of like searching for things i'd search to make sure stokes was just booming these punts grown man and grown ass man
1: grown attractive
2: that's all we need like Um,
1: legit he (laughs) we walked by him (laughs) on the field he uh he was about it's this is going to sound insane he was about the same size as anthony richardson he was a legit six five two thirty. He was a big dude. We must Who who is that guy? You know, oh, it's the punter.
2: I so, know I missed it, but when they did the talent show and him and John Cannon did the little uh that little ball pirouette thing, oh, I mean you. Stokes is like six four and <laughs> poor John Cannon is like five two. And it just uh we we love we love tall australian attractive punters it's just that's what we that's what we live for
1: nowadays i guess they, he was so shockingly a large man <laughs> he was humongous i was shocked you know you, you know
0: we're not the the best at anything, but we will definitely give props to the, the large adult punters in our lives. And uh, he is just another one in the long line of large adult punters that have come across USF's uh, path over the years. Jonathan Hernandez, we've never forgotten about you. Just remember that.
2: The one who started the trend, right? Yeah. Matias Chapati was, he was,
0: he was a, he was a weird man. Trent, I mean, Trent's Australian. So like, I just assume he can kill you. Um, because, at, you know, everything from Australia can actually kill you. So I just I think if you just go into it thinking, oh, he's Australian, he could probably kill me. It's probably a safe bet to assume he can actually kill me and it makes you safer and it makes the people around you safer. So I think that's what we need to to always uh, bear in mind here as we we move forward. Uh, people from Australia will kill you.
2: Hunters aren't people, they're weapons. Exactly. <laughs> um I I always love whenever we play BYU because I always like to go through the depth, try to just see like the, the names. You know, I, I know I know going off the rails here for a minute, but my goodness gracious, you have some of the most vanilla white guy names right next to like just the oddest of Pacific Islander pronunciations of things. And I think I found my favorite thing. We got a we got a cornerback, we got a free safety and a strong safety pairing. We got Hayden Livingston. I right bet next <laughs> to Chaz Ayu, and it's spelled A A H space Y O U, and Gosh. it's just as Ayu, Ayu. You you can't write you can't script this any better. Like just just everyone who's watching, just go on go on the BYU depth chart. Just look through these names. They're they're neat. They're fun. Keep even saying it. It's neat.
1: It is you, know what I'm, you know what I'm really looking forward to and trying to will into um, reality. Could you imagine if next year it was BYU starting quarterback General Booty? There oh, sorry, he's at JUCO. Guys... He's at JUCO G- 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 right now, right? Yeah, I think he threw for like 500 yards in his first game. That's not he's, bad. He's at he's the Louisiana Booties, if I may.
0: Man, this thing has gone off the rails, and I, I am I am so here for it. Uh, so, BYU, I think, you know, typically, uh, a, as it is for all USF games, um, third downs are going to be vital, right? They were a little bit better, 6-15 uh, last week. You know, it's, again, it's, it's FAMU, but it's better. Uh, they were, you know, better still uh, than they were at NC State uh, in the Florida game. Just continue to get better in those areas. Um, I that that's gonna be a key one. I keep that keep keep that offense off the field. And just try to extend some drives here. Uh as uh Heath's uh getting not safe for work in in the comments. Um sir, this is a this is a Wendy's. Uh so you know you, you know, outside of turnovers, third down, is there anything that USF needs to do uh, you know at BYU to, to be effective and, uh, you know, put a scare into the 15th ranked team in the nation.
1: Uh, explosive plays are always kind of the next thing on my list. Um, and then average starting field position is kind of tied a lot of times with turnovers. So you win both of those, you're probably in pretty good shape. Um, you know, if you if you look at the – yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously playing clean, so no drop passes like Daniel's saying right there. Uh penalty-free, uh, you're going to have to play a clean game to win. You're not going to be able to play a sloppy, I don't think, and win unless you just get crazy with explosive plays. But how BYU plays defense, I think, is they try to take those away. They're dropping a lot of guys deep, making you complete stuff underneath. Um, so, you know, I. but if you can get some of those. But the important thing is going to be to avoid turnovers. And then defensively, I think stopping the run. That's going to be a big key because I think they're just going to try to roll you with outside zone and then play action off that. So if you can stop that outside zone, that's going to help you a lot. Uh, that's a tall task, but that's kind of what you're going to have to do. I think if you if you can stop their run game, slow that down, that gives you a chance and then take care of the ball on offense, finish drives like you mentioned earlier, Nate. Um, those, those are kind of the recipes to success. Uh, but you, you cannot turn the ball over and give extra possessions.
0: I want to I want to uh, kind of pick your brain on something. I got to find it real quick. Uh, God, these game notes—they're—they're they're massive. I love them, but trying to find the thing that I want as we uh, go through this. Uh, Seth, do you have the depth chart handy? Could
1: you pull? Uh, I can grab it. I think
0: maybe. Let, let me. Oh my God. Nope. This is great audio. Uh, Steve Van vamp for us while we uh while we find this
2: Um, my key for the game is i just hope both teams have fun you know realistically it's all we can really ask for nowadays you know the i i don't think i'm putting too much pressure on anyone to to kind of say like you know it's it's okay to i'm gonna i'm gonna take a book out of ted lasso's uh book and it's it's okay to lose every once in a while you know it it's it's going to be all right you know you'll 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 move into the next game you'll you'll probably start with like you know eight straight draws or something like that it's fine you know we'll we'll the sun'll shine tomorrow it's all going to be good
1: see <laughs> what is your favorite scene from magnum pi uh i've never seen magnum
2: pi <laughs> is it the,
1: that. is it the nuns don't work on sundays
2: you know what? I'm going to, for next week, I'll, I'll watch the best of Magnum PI in, in 20 minute YouTube videos just so I can, you know, get up to date with the references. Because I, the only reason why I own this Hawaiian and, and that Detroit Tigers hat is because uh, someone gave it to me for like a, a work thing when I had a mustache. And I just, I never, I never went into it and, and decided to watch the show. I'm sorry to let you all down.
0: Fair enough. So I've been I've been able to pull up uh, the the depth chart that I wanted to ask about. So here here's my here's my question uh, for you, Seth. Those mm-hmm. those left tackles you, you mentioned uh outside zone. They're going to they're going to try to run yet through those outside zones. So you, the defensive ends need to be able to hold up, uh, create, you know, get them back inside, just create. To be able to set the edge and and, and keep the edge, right? Uh, how does you know Jason Vaughn uh, allegedly six five two fifty two? allegedly uh and 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 tremal Logan six two two thirty five what what kind of things can the you know the smaller defensive ends that the smaller linebackers do against you know these these 6'8", 325s? I know it's always you know low man wins but like what what can they do
1: to to help set the edge when there's such a, a size disparity well I think is Setting the edge is important, but you can also, if you get interior penetration, that can also force the ball to cut back too. I think that if when you're outmatched up front physically in size, you got to move. Uh, so you, you can't just statically rush, statically play a gap. You got to move guys, gap exchange. That's what you see the best. The best defenses you watch like Alabama and Georgia. They've got really talented big guys, but they still move. They still exchange gaps in the run game. Um, so I think you got to be moving your front, move your backers, um, hopefully pick up some tendencies and kind of, and have those backers play aggressive. And this might be a game where you give up some play action plays. Cause you're just going to tell those guys to play aggressive, um, and play downhill. Um, but you know, maybe we see a little bit more of, uh, Bellamy this week. We saw him last week. He played pretty well. I think he mm-hmm. kind of adds a bit of thump. He stood out, right?
0: I mean, yeah. we were talking to each other in, in in the press box, and he's a guy who stood out. Obviously, he had that that great. Uh, he upended the running back uh, right near the Jeff goal swing. line, yeah. yeah, and just uh, just blew that play up. And he felt like he was shot out of the cannon a few times uh, throughout That's how the night.
1: He's been. Like he's flashed when he's every time he's played even as his freshman year, he's flashed because he comes downhill with cruel intentions. Yeah, so I. Th- I think, think getting him him, help too yeah and
0: I think having him maybe as a, a, a specialty pass rusher you know you get backed up and you know you have to run the ball so it just kind of make him have to do one thing right I think that's where you'll see uh, a lot of the effect in this I think that's where we saw it he was pretty good out in coverage I think he had a, a pass breakup yeah. uh, out in the flat as well he um, Yeah, I want to see him full steam ahead going after the quarterback. Because Jaron Hall, he's he's no slouch, you know. Uh, He's – Glenn Spencer, you know, probably a little hyperbolic uh, talking to the coaches, said he's – he said he's a faster Baker Mayfield.
1: Faster Baker Mayfield, yeah. Which – that's tough. That's a tough. Uh, that's setting. That's called setting expectations. Yes. So, uh,
0: that's, uh, that's 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 uh, called not giving them any bulletin board material for again that they're probably already uh, a little a little jazzed about the to you know right the wrongs of
1: of past sins. Yeah, of course, he played well. He's a faster Baker Mayfield. I I, th- I tried to tell you guys before the game. Yeah, he, he is good. He's a really athletic player. He's throwing the ball pretty well. I think this year, not bad. I I, I liked him a little bit watching him coming into the game a couple of years ago. He seemed steady, but he did make some young guy mistakes. And then last year, he didn't play really at all. It was Zach Wilson there, and and now he's getting his turn, and he's uh he's doing a pretty good job so far this year. He kind of went out in there in the previous game, late in the game. They said he just got the wind knocked out of him. He had a couple of big guys land on him. He looked like he was grabbing his hip, but they said just wind knocked out. He will be playing, so maybe he's not. They're not going to run him much. They kind of mentioned that on the broadcast that they didn't want to run him a ton because they don't want him getting dinged up. But he'll 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 take the running lanes if you give them to him. So you definitely have to watch him. And to keep somebody with eyes on him at all times,
0: and and he he did get hurt in that 2019 game as well, and uh, Baylor Romney I believe had to come spell him, and he's still the backup there. Uh, so uh, it, it, there is some, I mean, there is some history of that. Uh, you know, Zach, Will, you know Zach Wilson in 2019, same thing. He got hurt prior uh, to the USF game, which uh, was fortunate for USF because I don't think that they. They win that game if the Mormon Menzel is uh, playing. Um, you know, Patriots game notwithstanding, he was a fantastic quarterback in college. He's taking the Menzel
1: thing a little too far now. He's got to cut it back. This, week. <laughs> yeah, let's let's
0: let's chill out. I don't think you want as many interceptions as pass completions uh, that that late in the game. Um, so, but Zach Wilson was a legitimate quarterback. There's a reason why he went the se- second overall. I mean, I think he just went into a terrible situation, uh, you know, the Jets being, you know, what they are. But he was still a very good quarterback, and USF did luck out in 2019. And uh, yeah, Jaron Hall, I doubt he makes the same mistakes. He's been pretty careful with the ball through three games, only two interceptions. But he's he's thrown seven touchdowns, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, so, Spencer Spencer's going to have to, you know, dial something up, create some, some sort of, of havoc, you know, disguise some things. Ah, uh, not give away the you know not give away the coverage too early. I think USF did that a couple times uh, over the last couple of weeks that uh, really helped uh, the opposing quarterback kind of diagnose it. Uh, Emery Jones just didn't really take advantage. Um, I think they on that interception that Mikhaila Point had he kind of bailed out. It was good. It was good disguise by him, but he kind I think he kind of crept up a little bit uh sooner and didn't really see him with the the switch at the cornerback position. Uh so you just dis- disguise it, uh make them earn everything, right? You don't want to have these breakdowns like we saw with Florida with the, the explosive plays. Uh make them earn it because I think that's that's USF's best chances. You know, make them earn it, have you know, have some success on third down. Uh, again, you know, FAMU they did pretty well, but you know it was FAMU, and this is a, a team that's beaten three Pac-12 schools in the last three weeks, uh, regardless of how the outcome has been, uh, and the talent of the other teams. They're still, you know, Power Five Pac-12 schools. Um, and final thoughts before we get
2: to our predictions here tonight, fellas. No, no I just I think we kind of box score of the the game from 2019, out of curiosity. And Jordan McLeod had an 8.7 QBR. Um, he was like seven fourteen. Yeah, I I was like, wow, we didn't have that many receivers catch any passes. Was was that was that a
1: really bad fumble? We took off and the ball just came out of his hands. I think so. Maybe. Yeah, I think. But I mean,
2: I was trying to find the overlap of how many like BYU players contributed in that game versus how many USF players contributed, and if they're still on the roster, and like the numbers are like four usf players five actually played like a significant amount that game and there's like the entire byu team that's still there it's i think the only person that left is um like two or three guys but uh yeah uh, that's my closing thoughts uh wow this is gonna be a fun game to watch
1: yeah at least you don't have to stay up late for it
0: <laughs> absolutely uh alice and you know jordan mcleod uh he wasn't one of the two quarterbacks uh, uh, that uh, uh jet fish uh picked to start the year but came in on in relief and uh went six to seven i think he scored a touchdown and in Got Arizona back into the game last week before losing. Um, you know, I, I threw out a tweet uh, late Saturday night that he's thrown for I think close to 470 yards and, and five touchdowns, no interceptions in his last uh, five quarters of action uh, dating back to last year. So good for him. You know, I, I think it's evident here that I was uh, always a Jordan McLeod believer. Um, so I was really happy that he went out uh, the way he did. Um, I think that was uh, really important for for my uh, self confidence. I'll be honest, <laughs> if nothing else, uh, you know, I finally finally got proven right at least for a game. Um, yeah, again, going back to that BYU game from 2019. I mean, BYU outgained USF by 124 yards. Um, USF had 11 penalties. They turned the ball over twice. BYU had the ball for 37 minutes like this game makes literally no sense. but they didn't score touchdowns in the red zone and that was that was the game. So keep that in mind as as we move forward. Um, I've got my handy dandy notebook here uh, as we prepare for predictions. Um, let's let's see what we can do uh, this week. let me make sure I get to the, the right page. There we go. That
2: uh, Nate, did you get my predictions the last two weeks?
0: Uh, no, I'm just gonna say uh, it was 55 to 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so it was. Okay, so um, not as close. Um, I was damn near close on BYU. I was a touchdown shy. Um, or excuse me for FAMU. Actually, no, I was right. What was the final score? 38 Let's see, you see that. Nailed it. Fucking nailed it, bro. Wow, look at me. Check mark, gold star, Nathan Bond. Finally, finally get one right. Um man. Between, between figuring out the yards per play for BYU and this, man, I'm riding a high. I think we need to end it now. Uh predictions. Uh Seth, what, what do you got for this BYU game?
1: all right just uh for everybody's reference right now at draftkings uh BYU is a twenty three point favorite uh i'm gonna go with um let's go thirty eight to ten b y u okay might, well, yeah i
0: don't know yeah, thirty. All right. So, and then uh, then I'll have a follow up question after we give our predictions right. um, for for this. Uh, Steve, you'll go last. So, uh, Alex, I, I think you're kind of right. I think it's either a blowout or it's kind of close. Um, I don't. I, I don't see USF winning. I didn't see the improvement that I was hoping uh, for uh, for FAMU. Seth, you touched on it earlier. Uh, a little bit more discouraged after that second half than than you than you really hoped. Um, so I'm gonna say I think it's 45 23 BYU. And Seth, or excuse me, Steek, uh, how about yourself?
2: Um, well, so, um, when, uh, when Tom Selleck was on Magnum PI, you know, when he, when he, when he, when, when Magnum PI went off air, he was 43 years old, which is pretty close to how much USF is going to beat BYU by unironically. I think they're going to beat them by 45 points, give it a take, uh, two years. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, USF 55 to 10, uh, nice and clean game, uh, held by all, uh, Timmy McClain actually will break the NCAA record for, uh, most touchdown passes using both hands. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna come out with like, uh, some, some left-hand touchdown passes, Throw, throw a few right-hand touchdown passes and then uh, do a flip to uh, win the game and uh, seal it for uh, everyone else and uh, you know put USF on the map. And then retroactively, the Big 12 is going to kick uh, BYU out and then put us in their place. Nice. And I want all of that to be in my prediction. <laughs> okay. Sure.
1: Write it absolutely.
0: down in the notebook. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stieg um, needs more time off. I think he's uh, having a mental breakdown. Seek help immediately. Got it. Yep. R- wrote it down for you, man. I got it. Um, Appreciate you. <laughs> so th- th- this follow-up question, uh, you know, we're, we're all, you know, outside of steak. The, the logical people are picking BYU to win uh, pretty handedly. At what point? Do we see another quarterback? It doesn't have to be Cade, it doesn't even have to be Travis Marsh. What time, when do we see another quarterback? Is it in the first half? And if so, when? Is it in the second half? And if so, when?
1: I think you, I think let's maybe we should put odds on it, right? Um, let's say I think the odds of a guy coming in the second quarter, um, what you what would you say like plus two fifty? The odds of somebody coming in the th- at the third quarter, I'd make that like plus one ten. <laughs> I, I think you're gonna see another quarterback, especially because Jeff Scott was pretty adamant that Tim McLean is starting the game, and we're using this four game sample size to get a better look at all the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Here's my question to you. Does Jaron Williams get in the game? I was about to ask as that. A, as a total, <laughs> as a real one more wrench.
0: No, I think you have a better shot of getting in the game than Jaron does. Maybe I better get loose. <laughs> um, so, so if we're putting numbers on, on the quarters, uh, plus 250 is uh, for the second quarter, plus 150 for the third quarter, is uh, minus 10,000. Is that a good number for the fourth quarter?
1: For someone, yeah, I think by the fourth quarter, yeah. Will USF have played two quarterbacks by the fourth quarter, by the end of the fourth quarter? Minus 10,000. I think it's, if, I, I, here's a great parlay, would be no and USF wins. because <laughs> On the opposite side, because that's kind of, if, if not, then USF's winning, right?
0: I think we need to. I think we need to get DraftKings to put this on the board. Uh, okay, Colin knows some, some folks
1: in England. You can get them to put whatever you want on. They'll put them uh, on anything. I don't know, man.
0: Maybe we can get Colin. You know, he's out in Vegas for like a month. I think he's. Uh, I think he's still out there uh, for like another like three weeks. So maybe we can get him to talk to the DraftKings folks and, and give us a little parlay action on that because uh, I would I'd put a few bucks on that. <laughs> yeah, your odds are. You know, if I could, if I could do it legally. In the state of Florida? Yes, of course. Right. This is all for entertainment purposes, unless you live in a state where gambling is legal. Okay. Then and go for to, it. Then take our advice because we definitely know what we're talking about. Yeah. Nice little correlated parlay there as the wise guys like no. that. So, what would you put the first quarter
1: at?
2: Like plus, plus I a thousand? I
1: Yeah, I think that, yeah. I think, unless, like, uh, bar an injury. Right. um, I'm just strictly playing. Yeah, strictly performance. Yeah, I I don't think it would happen that fast, but it might happen in the second quarter. Just think it could. Worst case scenario, this is NC State 2.0. You're getting rocked. We need a spark. (laughs) Bring in somebody else. Bring in Ridge Jacobs. (laughs) And the musical chairs continue so absolutely
0: well this has always been fun uh Stig, i'm glad to have you back um we'll we'll figure out uh your role going forward since you got wally pipped as our photographer uh yeah
2: i'll be i'll be resident mustache and, and shit post again
0: <laughs> yeah man tough break for my guy uh but again, uh, guys, I, I will say I'll plug this. Uh, Morgan's photography has been fantastic. If you guys saw it uh, throughout the game, um, it was pretty great, and uh, she sent me two two files worth of uh, pictures that I went through last night, and uh, we'll be posting them throughout the week in the coming the coming weeks as well. So it's gonna be a lot of fun um, for for Steeg for Seth. Uh, I'm Nathan uh thank you for for joining us thank you for listening to uh that really we really lost the plot there around the 45 minute mark i'm not going to lie to you but we, we we veered back on track um shout out it's to Irish! absolutely shout out to Irish 31 for for the sponsorship and and you please go hang out Irish 31 go watch the game there they've got drink specials uh let, let me read you these awesome drink specials again because uh, the names are just fantastic uh game day cocktails ten dollars uh horns up hooch uh tito's vodka peach schnapps blue uh, carousel pineapple orange juice red bull 151 rum uh the green bull which is tito's vodka blue carousel and red bull the Gunslinger, Smirnoff Orange Vodka, Sprite, Cranberry, Red Bull, Gold Dust, the Golden Brahmin, uh, Irish Thirty One Whiskey, uh, Magners Irish Cider, Fresh Mint, Lime, and Gold Dust. And then they've got Yingling uh, Lager Flight, uh, Lager Drafts, and Flight 16 uh, Ounce Cans available. Uh, go check them out. Go have fun. Tell them that the Daily Stampede sent you. Uh, you know, make sure that they know that we're. Uh, We're getting some folks uh, there and then uh, October 2nd for the SMU game, four o'clock, go sign up for the, the Bulls brew fest. I know there's a couple people who, uh, who follow the blog, who brew their own beer, try to get it showcased, man. It's going to be awesome. Go to usfalumni.org backslash brew, sign up hundred percent of the proceeds go back to the alumni association, uh, the greater Tampa Bay area alumni chapter. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Go hang out. It's at the West shore Plaza location. Uh, go go have some fun. Go brew some beer. Go taste the uh, you know the best of what Tampa Bay has to offer. And again, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, I can't can't thank Irish Thirty and Thirty One enough for further their partnership going forward. And I'm excited. Uh, let's let's try to get let's try get uh, back to five hundred. Uh, cause some chaos. Why not? When crazy things happen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we we got Mountain West action after dark. Let's get weird, uh, or I guess independent action after dark. Pardon uh, me,
1: Steve. If uh, if if your score prediction is true, what odd kind of soda are you gonna drink? We have somebody mentioning your ranch soda escapades. What's next for you? <clears throat>
2: um, ironically enough, uh, I'm brewing my own beer that's called Ranch Beer. Um. That'll be, that'll be the one that I'm going to enter into the uh, into that brewery contest to see if we can get that into circulation. Um, I made a little test, uh, a little taste tester of it. And by God, is it terrible. I mean, it's some of the worst beer I've ever had in my life. And I've drank a lot of worse. I've, I've drank a lot of bad things in my life. Um, so for celebration, if, if somehow, some way that USF does uh, pull this massive upset, you know, I'll, I, next next podcast, I'll, I'll I'll grab a ranch soda and uh, and drink it for the uh, for the memes on here. If they actually, let's make it a little bit more realistic. If they cover ranch soda on 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 the pod next week,
1: there we go. If
0: they breathe, we'll do it. <laughs> All right for for Seth, Stee and Nathan. This has been the Illuminati Pro- podcast presented by Irish Thirty One. Be safe, have fun, go Bulls. Go balls.
2: Go balls.